A Song Can Change Your Life is made possible by a grant from the Fulton County Virtual Arts Initiative. Recognizing the therapeutic value of the arts and the need to support the creative community during the COVID pandemic, the Fulton County Virtual Arts Initiative offers operational support to enhance the arts sector's ability to present virtual arts programs and creative engagement opportunities for Fulton County residents and visitors. A Song Can Change Your Life is recorded in the Black Box at the Alpharetta Arts Center, located at 238 Canton Street, Alpharetta. To learn more about programs and events at the Alpharetta Arts Center, go to alpharetta.ga.us and search Arts Center or click the link located on our website, asongcanchangeyourlife.com. Hello, and welcome to A Song Can Change Your Life, where we talk with one songwriter, one-on-one, about one of their songs. My name is James, and we're coming to you from the Black Box at the Alpharetta Arts Center in awesome Alpharetta, Georgia. Our show is brought to you by Home by Dark, the city of Alpharetta, Georgia, Fulton County Arts and Culture, and Arts Alpharetta. My guest today is singer-songwriter Michael Logan. Michael grew up in the small college town of Lewisburg in north-central Pennsylvania. He was raised listening to Americana and folk classics like Johnny Cash, Willie Nelson, Merle Haggard, and Gordon Lightfoot. He comes from a musical family and learned to play guitar from his dad. Michael's songs have been featured on many TV shows, including multiple placements on Nashville, Suits, Parenthood, The Fosters, and One Tree Hill. Logan's folk song, Couldn't Ask for a Better Friend, played prominently throughout the 2016 Rio Olympics when it was chosen by Folgers as the theme for their award-winning ad. Billboard magazine also did a write-up on Logan's song in their article, Olympic Gold. Michael has performed in every state in the continental U.S., as well as in the U.K., Denmark, the Netherlands, France, and Spain, opening for such artists as John Hyatt, John Legend, India Ari, Johnny Lang, and Matt Kearney. A prolific songwriter, Michael's songs have been recorded by many artists, including Johnny Lang, Matt Kearney, Brandon Heath, The Green Cards, Paul Carrick, Will Hodge, and Sister Hazel. Most notably, he wrote Breaking Your Own Heart, which was covered by Kelly Clarkson on her platinum-selling Grammy-winning album, Stronger. On this episode of A Song Can Change Your Life, I sit down with Michael to discuss his beautiful song, Here's to Hoping. There's a red sky falling There's a road sweeping out from under us that winds And these two lights like our dreams Stretching out like bright white limousines Oh, here we go again Into the great wide open Oh, here we go, my friend There's no way of knowing when or how It's gonna all play out So, oh, here we go again Honey, here's to hoping Michael Logan! Welcome to A Song Can Change Your Life. Great to see you, my friend. It's good to be back, man. Thanks for having wow, me. Wow, you're, you're such a, a family member of our live shows, our Home by Dark concerts. 
um, it's uh, it's just always natural and always just good to see you. You're man. you're one of us. I, I'm honored to be, man. Thank well, you. Well, wow. and I love your music. And a couple things I wanted to start off by telling you. One is the first time I played with you was at the Bluebird Cafe years ago, and then we've done a lot of Home by Dark shows since then. Right. And your hair is always. Looks like you just came from the barber, man. It's like, how often do you go to the barber? Because it looks like you just got it cut every time I see you. It's I amazing. Just, I, I get it cut every single morning as soon as I wake up. That's how I wake up. It's incredible, man. <laughs> no. I, 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 when my hair gets shaggy, I go, man, Michael Logan would be so disappointed in me. <laughs> it's, well, thank you, man. It's amazing. Uh, no, I, 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 uh, I do go on a fairly regular basis. Well, that's, I, you know, well, you big time songwriters. For, for better or worse. I yeah, I love it. Um, so I have two, when I think of you, I have two memories that stick out, uh, many, many performance memories, but two things stick out that to me define in part who you are. One is we were playing at a farm, not about 10 miles from here, and Chucker Farm in Alpharetta. Yeah. And uh, you're singing this beautiful, slow, ballad, meaningful, poignant song, and <laughs> A bug flies right into your mouth. I mean, not just any bug, but like a, a cicada or something with a lot of protein. It was, it was a, a June bug. Or something. I mean, something significant. It was a significant flying object that went right, <laughs> right, in, right in. And here's here's what's amazing to me. Here's here's why that memory sticks with me. One is. Right in the middle of this beautiful song, you just stop everything and say, excuse me, but this bug the size of a 747 just flew into my mouth. And you stop. The crowd laughed. It was, a, it was just it was a very funny moment and it was a great relief. And then you went, you were able to transition right back into the song again. And it was amazing. You went from poignancy to hilarity back to poignancy. And I thought ever since that time, I said, this man, A, has supreme confidence that he, he can manipulate an audience to do that. And then B, just um, your professionalism, man. You, it came at you. You handle it. You, you, you handle it like a man. And you went right back into it. It's amazing. So Thank kudos you, to you as I professionalism and confidence is Michael Logan. Oh, well, thank you, man. I, 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 I didn't have an option of not stopping. Do you know what I mean? Because it was in my mouth. You would have had to chew. I would, I would have had to at least stop to chew. And then, and then, and then we oh went into the chorus. That's hilarious. Uh, and then the second memory that sticks out to me is um, you've played a lot of shows with this. Um, Anytime we go out of state, out of Georgia, you go with us a lot of times. And mm -hmm. so we were in outside of Denver in Loveland, Colorado at the Rialto Theater. And I had to get off stage to go into the lobby to talk to ticketing or something. And I come back into the performance hall and you're sound checking and you're doing, I think, <clears throat> oh, your song Human After All, I think, and which is a really beautiful, uh, just a beautiful song. And it's sound check. And you're delivering this song in sound check perfectly and with sincerity and with the emotion that that song carries just pristine and you're you could tell by observing you that you're focused entirely on the song and presenting it in a sound check to, to basically just a couple of us in the room and it always stuck with me mm -hmm. because it's it's and I and I've even sound checking today doing some things you always honor and respect the song and mm. I don't know if you're aware of that, but but in soundcheck often, you know, we can 
we can goof off and, and just get the levels. But you always seem to treat that song with great care and respect. Mm. Is that something you're conscious of or um, you've always done, or is that even registered to you? That that's I mean, well, thank you. I mean, that that that's kind of you to say that, man. I I've never thought about that. Uh, I've never. Uh, um, consciously, um, you know, like in a soundtrack. I think, I don't know, I wonder if, especially a song like like Human After All right. or something like that is, there's, there's m- music has this uh, depth to it that, um, that is a feeling, like it's a feel, it's, 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 it's a, um, I don't, I don't quite know how to say it, but, but, uh, I guess that's what I'm doing is is just um, playing music for me. My earliest memories, I mean, back before I can even, was even, I see pictures of me, you know, playing guitar and 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 piano and things. Where I grew up in a family where where you know my dad was a guitar player and banjo player. My brother played guitar. My mom sang. My sister played the piano. And so I don't know. I guess it's it's just a very um, that it must be something I just fall into without thinking about it. Uh, to to well, play you see, I think it's ingrained in you somehow along the, your journey because it's not just notes and lyrics. It's like this living thing. And I remember, because I, I think it's somewhere on our YouTube channel, some of that song in Soundcheck, because it was, was captivated by it. And I've never forgotten it because it made me, it made me think this isn't just lyrics and, and, and the right notes. It's this living thing. And Michael's really treating it as such. Mm. And so I'm never going to disrespect it. I'm going to present it, whether it's me by myself or a thousand people, I'm going to treat respect. And, mm. and I've, 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 I've tried to honor that when I, when I play as well. It's like, and I got that from you. Mm. Thank you, James. That means, that means a lot to me. That's very cool. Uh, so tell me, you, you alluded to your family musically coming up. Tell us a little bit about growing up in northern Pennsylvania and specifically – your, what your what childhood was like for you and your family it was it was it was different than mine. Sure. Uh, as far yeah. as what, tell our audience a little bit about that. Sure. Yeah. Um, so yeah, I grew up in in Lewisburg, which is a beautiful little Victorian river town in uh, in north central Pennsylvania, um, and it's a college town. Like Bucknell University is there, which um, you know the town's kind of built around that. Um, and I was raised. Uh, Mennonite in a Mennonite family, which is kind of in some ways uh, associated with the Amish, but 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 very different as well. Um, but yeah, so that that was so we uh, um, music was uh, I think in a lot of ways a window to, um, to not a window to the world, but in some ways it was like we didn't have a TV and and that kind of thing for me growing up, but. Um, but we had a piano and a guitar, and I would just spend a ton of time doing that and uh, and playing. And it was a family thing as well. Um, and so uh, I, I started, I guess, trying to write songs or having ideas for for um, for like instrumental kinds of things around like um, I guess like twelve or thirteen on the piano. And mm-hmm. then my brother is five years older than I am, and he is a great songwriter and and uh guitar player as well and he um or he also plays and and he said um 
one day he was like, I don't, I don't remember why or how, but he was like, man, you should write, you should write. Mm. Like you should, uh, you should try to write some lyrics and try to write some songs. And my in, first instinct was that, oh, I can't, I can't do that. That's, you know, that's like saying you just like fly or whatever. You know, it, it just wasn't on my radar really, but I loved music and we, we all did. And so, um, but that was the spark and the encouragement and the, the, the belief, I guess, that, um, and he was a big influence on me. And, and so I kind of started, that started the wheels turning. Um, and, I, and then I started writing uh, very terrible songs. <laughs> <laughs> you can't write a clunker. Uh, so when you grew up as a kid without television, so, so w- was, it just, was it just natural that you was expected you'd play an instrument and be part of the musical family? You, as, like in my family, you was expected you probably go out and play sports. And for you, you just, hey, at nighttime, we get together and we play music? or it, Yeah. And, and in fact, I think um, it probably was very similar to sports for, for a lot of families. And, and, you know, we played sports as well. But in our family, it was, it was uh, yeah, after dinner, you know, dad might pull out the guitar and start playing Johnny Cash, Folsom mm-hmm. Prison. Um, and my brother would start playing. And I think that made the impression on me that I wanted Mm-hmm. jump in and so eventually I learned to play the bass which which is very uh you know one note at a time and so I could kind of get my head around that and and then eventually my dad taught me a few chords on the guitar and um and he was a truck driver a long distance truck driver so he would bring home music mm-hmm. Willie Nelson and Merle Haggard and and like classic country stuff and some folk like uh Peter Paul and Mary and yeah. and, and Gordon Lightfoot and stuff like that and that's what that's what we would listen to wow um, and try to play, you know, and so, and, and uh, my, my, there were three of three and my, my sister is a phenomenal piano player as well. And, um, there was the three of us in our family, but in my, my extended family, uh, there were 19 children on my mom's side wow. and eight on my dad's side. And so family reunions were, uh, massive and wow. we would go to this cabin that my grandfather built, on my mom's side, uh, a hunting cabin up in up in the mountains of Pennsylvania. Every we still do every uh, July Fourth. Uh, the whole side of the family with the nineteen children wow. who all got got married and had kids. So now it's you know, I forget the math now, but it was, I think it was close. <laughs> You're wearing name tags at this point. Yeah, yeah. I mean, you know, it's. But what's crazy is we're we're, we're pretty close. I mean, my, my first cousins. There's just so many, but. Um, because we would always go and we would sing a cappella, oh, wow. um, uh, which was like on the front porch of the cabin. Everybody, everybody would like have like a hymn sing. Wow. Uh, and, and that was a, I think that shaped probably my ear, like hearing four-part harmony. Mm-hmm. Like in church, we, we only sang a cappella for my early childhood. Mm-hmm. And then it kind of transitioned um, over my lifetime. It, it transi- transitioned into, you know, having instruments and that kind of thing. Um, but yeah, it was a different, different way to grow up. Now the future's as warm as the rain Moving over the mountains and kissing the prairie plain Washing away all our tired regrets So we can live each moment like it hasn't happened yet. So how do you go from that kind of uh, 
group, family, uh, musical experience to solo singer songwriter. Does it happen in Pennsylvania or after you moved? You know, I I didn't um, I didn't know what I was doing. You know, I, 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 like in high school, I kind of music was all-consuming for me. I, I just loved it. I, I would come home from school, throw down my book bag, go sit at the piano for an hour and a half and just play. Um, but I didn't have any uh, sense of like, you can do this. Mm-hmm. You know, it just didn't seem even like an option at all. And so um, I think it was this gradual process of, uh, I, I actually was asked and kind of invited to to um, to be like to do a, like a voluntary service kind of a thing for a year after high school, um, playing music in prisons, uh, like mostly maximum security prisons in North America, Canada, the U.S. And I signed up for it and um, did that for almost two years after high school. Three hundred, we were on the road three hundred days a year. Um, You're in a group of other musicians. Other musicians um, who who kind of did this full time. There was like a a team that kind of did this full time, and then there were you know younger vo- kind of volunteers that would come in and, and give a year or two of their time. Uh, musicians. To- so your experience going into this was in a house with no television, <laughs> playing Johnny Cash and Gordon Lightfoot right. to maximum security prisons. <laughs> to death row conversations. Yeah, it, it was, a, you know, growing up as a Mennonite, you know, kid, you know, farming on my grandparents' farm and stuff, to literally standing on, you know, the criminally insane ward, death row, Pelican Bay, eight floors down, playing... Uh, for um, people in prison, man, it was it was an incredible experience. Very very challenging at times. Um, very eye opening to the humanity. I think that was the main thing for me. Looking back, that was the main impression was just the the common humanity. Mm-hmm. You know, uh, you go you go into a setting like that with fear, sure, and um, this sense of like. Well, I don't know what I'm going to find, and and um, and then you know having conversations with people uh, who have had such radically different backgrounds and different life experiences, um, but you still ha- you still have things in- a lot in common, yep. and you see you know regret, you see um, a lot of situations that the person was under some kind of the influence of something, a drug or alcohol or whatever. And you just start to see how, you know, you could be there too, um, given their life and their situation and that, you know. So not every time there, you know, but there was a lot of of that recognition of like, wow, um, we have so much in common, even in this disparate kind of a setting. Do you think that experience affected how, what kind of a songwriter you became? Yes, I, I, I think it. I, I, I'm sure. I'm sure it did. Because I, when, I, when I listen yeah. to a lot of your music, it is, um, it's, it's it's very it's very authentic. But it's also there's a there's a common thread of hopefulness, goodness to it. 
And then when you hear a story of where you were playing music inside places of dire circumstances, mm -hmm. you would think that that could, that, could, that could shape you one way or the other, of being cynical and, and hardened a little bit. Mm -hmm. Or as you're saying, you're, you're, seeing, you're seeing something that uh, probably a lot of people probably don't see or couldn't see, is that the line between who I am on the outside free versus the person who is in, in here is, is much thinner than we may think yeah. when we criticize from the outside looking in. Right. Yeah. Wow. Yeah, I mean, again, thank you, man. You, you, you're generous to say that. I, I hope, I think, is, yeah, it because sometimes you would come out of those, you know, there's, there's a heaviness often in a place like that. Not always, but, um, you know, there's a certain sadness and a certain heaviness in, in being there. And then in coming out, sometimes you'd almost feel a little bit guilty mm -hmm. uh, for just going to McDonald's and, and ordering whatever you wanted and the sun shining. And um, it was a very strange thing. Sometimes we'd, we'd go in for the weekend and kind of park the bus in the parking lot and just go in all day for two or three days um, and eat in there and everything. So yeah, but but uh, I think some of the melancholy and some of the um, heaviness that sometimes is in stuff that I write was informed in part by that experience. Not, maybe maybe not, it gave you a sense of... You know, again, thinking of you and, and how I, I think when I listen to your music, maybe it gave you a, a, a real, have you speak, a sense of gratitude Yeah. that you may not have had if you hadn't been in there. Yeah, absolutely. A, a contrast yeah. to just an ordinary day yeah. on the outside. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Uh, I mentioned McDonald's, it's kind of silly, but I just remember a very specific moment where we were in for three days and then we would come out and sleep in the bus in the parking lot and go back in the next day, eat lunch, dinner in, you know, in the main mess hall and that kind of thing. And then I remember leaving and we were somewhere out west and just I just remember going to McDonald's and standing in front of the menu and feeling momentarily overwhelmed by the options mm -hmm. in that short an amount of time, you know, institutionalization where you, you don't have any choices. That quickly, I, I was like, whoa, there's a lot. You know, and then and then I felt this rush of gratitude for the freedom to to choose. Yeah, in that short a, an amount of time, it was it was a, it was something to contrast against, I guess. So yeah. So you go from singing Johnny Cash in the living room to a maximum security prison. <laughs> How do you make your way down to the music business in Nashville? So, so after that experience, uh, I went back home, and I was—I felt kind of adrift, you know, like I had no idea what what to do next or what came next. Um, uh, college was not really on my radar very much, um, and I, I worked uh, actually on a, a painting crew, like house painting. Um, like in high school and then after high school, uh, and I had kind of turned that into like a little business that I would, I kind of did my own thing and I would go and, you know, quote jobs and, and kind of do it. And I enjoyed that. It's very fulfilling, very like, uh, unlike music in some ways, it's very defined. Mm -hmm. 
and it's very clear what your job is, and it's clear when you've done it, <laughs> you know? Yep. And uh, so I kind of felt in my head, maybe I'll do, maybe I'll build this business in my hometown. <clears throat> um, and But music, we, we had gone through Nashville when I was on this, in, in this, this prison outreach thing, we, we had gone through Nashville. And I, and I went into this little, <laughs> like, $20 tourist booth, a Loretta Lynn, you know, studio or something. It was, it was like a very touristy, cheesy yeah. thing. And I recorded the first song I'd ever written in this little booth down on, like, DeMunbrian Street. Uh, it's not there now, but I, I just look on that with, like, that was such a cheesy thing to do, but kind of fun, too, that... Um, and uh, you know, made that little recording. So Nashville made an impression on me that time. And then I had this. I had one friend who I went to high school with, who had gone to this university called Trevecca University in Nashville. And um, her her mom was one of my teachers, and we were just somehow you know kind of stayed in touch. And she she would. Uh, I remember her calling me. <laughs> at the house and saying, you need to move to Nashville. You should come to Trevecca. You should like apply for a scholarship. They have this scholarship where you can, you can get like half of everything paid for, you know, a music scholarship and you should totally do it. And she just, every once in a while would, would say that. And it kind of planted it, but again, it felt impossible. And, uh, I didn't, you know, paying for college was, you know, something I, I, I had no idea how to do and that kind of thing. So to make a long story longer, at the very last possible day that I could possibly not, like the very end of the deadline where <laughs> I could be at Trevecca and like enrollment, I called them uh, the day before and I was like, if I got in my car tomorrow morning and drove down there, is it too late? And they were like, no, come on down. We'll, take, so, we'll take your money. <laughs> so I got in the car. The next morning, my little two hundred and fifty dollar hatchback that you know barely ran, and I threw my guitar in there and and I drove there thinking I have enough money for one semester, and I will probably come back home and do this painting business like mm -hmm. I, I I just had no clue what I was doing. Yeah, but that got me to Nashville. Thankfully, I I got the scholarship, which made it possible for me to stay, and that was. As a, as a music scholarship. As a music scholarship, yeah. yeah. And then, then I was there. Then I was in Nashville for four years. And I got a degree in music business uh, just to kind of um, – I felt like business was something I needed. I, I, I struggled wrapping my mind around, especially the music business. So, And that's been helpful, you know, copyright law and publishing and all that kind of thing. And But mainly the mentors and the relationships that I, that I had there I think really shaped me. Um, in a in a good way, but that's what got me to Nashville. Right. And once I was there, I started to learn about publishing and songwriting and publishers who, um, you know, might actually pay you to uh, a living salary so you could write full time and then hopefully make things happen. That was a universe I wasn't even aware of, and and I think most people aren't um, until I got there and. And it just so happens that Nashville is one of the uh, great cities for that approach to songwriting as well. Um, so yeah, then 
after graduation, I, I, again, you're kind of like, well, what next? This grand crossroads. Uh, and I was valet parking at the Marriott Hotel. Um, in Nashville, you stayed in Nashville. Stayed in Nashville, yep, yep. And, and I just wasn't sure what, what was next. Um, and I was uh, re- reached out to um, the one person I knew at, at ASCAP, which is American Society of Composers and Publishers. Um, and he, on my behalf, reached out to a, a publisher, which which I've learned since is very uncommon. It's just hard to hard to get through at all. Um, and uh, they offered me a publishing deal. Wow! And I signed it, which which uh, you know I'm incredibly grateful for. And that was kind of the start of like I quit valeting and just started writing every single day, and then co-writing. Um, and I was just learning. Still, I am just constantly trying to learn. You know. seem like a guy to me that ever panics that stresses <laughs> out because you go from your painting job and 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 you last second you know i'm gonna go to down to nashville go to school and and then when you graduate no real plan you know um and things sort of you just keep moving forward and and and, and, and i'm sure there's stress i'm sure you have stress like every human but but i'm wondering if and maybe it goes back to that so what your what your parents ingrained in you some of that early experience in those prisons etc that there's a thread of this hopefulness that I'm not going to freak out with what life brings me I'm just going to keep moving forward and choose to be sort of optimistic of what may be down the road and that's what was going through my head as I started listening to this song I want to talk to you about that you wrote with Jennifer Hansen mm-hmm. um, called Here's to Hoping. Mm-hmm. And it's relatively new for you guys. I think you, cr- you just wrote it last year or mm-hmm. so during some of the chaos in the world when people are freaking out and stressing. Right. But the Michael Logan mantra of, of, of gratitude and hopefulness kind of shines through um, in this song. Maybe that's why I like it so much. But um, tell me how this song came about, um, how you guys wrote it, what you were thinking, and, um, and what you're doing with it. Man, it, it uh, yeah, the timing of it, that whole project. Jennifer Hansen has has been a friend of mine for years, and we um, we wrote every week there for a long time. You, know, you wrote the Kelly Clarkson song with her. Yeah, yeah, that that was the first thing we ever wrote together. Was was a song called "Breaking Your Own Heart," and Kelly Clarkson ended up recording it, um, which you know we were both super grateful for. Um, and 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 so yeah, and we had just been writing you know it, it, uh, Jennifer's a, a fantastic artist as well and and, and a uh, killer songwriter and um, and so we had this these this body of songs and it was kind of like it was Jennifer that, that said we should do an EP and put it out you know we should put these songs out into the world um, and uh, Nick Brophy her boyfriend is a phenomenal one of the best uh producers and engineers that I know. I mean, he's just phenomenal. And he um, helped us, you know, he helped us write some of it. He helped us, he recorded it. And so uh, Here's to Hoping was was the name of that EP. And we were working on it before 
the, the pandemic, you know, kicked in before we knew mm. any of that stuff was going to happen, of course. But um, but then that started to happen, and we actually ran into a situation where we we had to finish some of it remotely. You know, we had to figure out how to like send files back and forth and that kind of a thing to get it done. Um, and so then the the here's to hoping we kind of finished up right at at the beginning of all that, the song, and it it um, it felt especially. Uh, timely or something, you know, because of, uh, you know, what was going on and this feeling of, of like, you know, dread or doom that I think, you know, all of us probably experienced at different points of like just not knowing what in the world is happening or going to happen. Um, and so it seems like people have really, so we, we put it out just independently um, and people really, really seem to respond to it. Uh, and and then Rolling Stone Country, Rolling Stone Magazine Country, you know, edition, I guess, whatever, actually picked it up and made it one of their picks, you know, recommended listening kind of a thing, which was very surprising and, and yeah. really cool, especially for like a really small indie project. Um, and so uh, people just seem to, to have connected with it. You know? Yeah. So when you play when you play it out live, is that is it one of the songs that? you're getting a good reaction from that people are going hey thanks for that yeah yeah i think it, it's it stands out in the current yeah environment yeah you know? yeah I, I i love it i mean i'll read a little bit of it the first version course but there's a red sky falling behind there's a road sweeping out from under us that winds and these two lines like our dreams they're stretching out like bright white limousines Oh, here we go again into the great wide open. Oh, here we go, my friend. There's no way of knowing when or how. It's all going to play out. So here we go again. Honey, here's to hoping. And so when I read that and when I interpret that, it's, it's this metaphor for not just what we've gone through as a, as a world, but, but just in life, you know, it's, it's, it's kind of like you know, what I just described as you as your story a little bit. Uh, so, we're all moving forward, we're all, and but we have this choice. Mm. You know, we have this choice that sometimes I don't think we realize we have that choice. And when when you got all the bad news coming at you twenty four seven, and but you're moving down this this road, you can choose to be pessimistic mm -hmm. and, and dread, or you can choose like the people in this song. You know, and I, I envision these two people in a car, you know, just tip their coffee cups to each other and go, well, here's to hoping. Mm -hmm. You know, we're going this direction anyway. Mm -hmm. Let's choose to be hopeful of what's ahead of us. Mm -hmm. Is that sort of where you were coming from? Yeah. Yeah. And, and I mean, you know how it is with songwriting. A lot of times you don't fully know mm -hmm. what's, what you're feeling or saying. That's part of the process. Songwriting is, a, is, a, is an excavation of... Right. And then you look back and you say, yeah, that, like all of that was going into this song. The, the, you know, the, the, the desire to have um, hope uh, and, to, and to keep that muscle active, you know, yeah. to choose to. There's this amazing exercise where you, you look around the room, you close your eyes and you say, okay, when you open your eyes, I want you to notice. I'm going to give you, you know, 10 seconds to notice everything, uh, <clears throat> everything in the room that's brown. And so you look around, look, 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 try to capture everything that's brown. And then you close your eyes and say, okay, now tell me everything in the room that's green. 
and you just you just weren't looking for green right and so uh you you can't and then you open your eyes and you look around you see what's green and it's this age-old exercise but i remember hearing that one time and it really struck me i did it and i couldn't remember anything that was green and it was this powerful thing of like when you uh what you focus on is 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 really important and we do have some measure of choice in that. And uh, the room contained both brown and green the whole time. It was the same room. But the power of, of focus and choice is, is so powerful. And, and that, you know, I feel like a whatever motivational speaker or something. But those things are true. And I, I do try to live my life by them because, I mean, I guess maybe that's what faith is. That's what hope is, is um, looking for uh, the good, looking for things to be grateful for. And the more you do that, um, the more your, your brain goes there, the more your attention goes there. Uh, and eventually, you know, even how you feel can catch up and, and that kind of a thing. And I think we need, we need the human spirit, uh, the courage that it takes to be a person <laughs> in this world, just to, to live is is remarkable the human spirit is remarkable to me because life is incredibly challenging and incredibly difficult for everybody in 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 their different ways um and and so i think you know the idea of hope is really a beautiful thing because it's it's a testament to courage yeah you know? well i i'm 100 on board that's why i think this song is powerful and why it's perfect for a song can change your life is it's it's a gentle, creative reminder for people to think that way, and just to give you an example of how I've applied it just this morning. Mm-hmm. Um, had a busy, busy morning before we came over here to record, and and I, had, I went running a long run this morning, and I had to start in the dark and finish in the dark, mm-hmm. and I forgot my headlamp, and I live out in the country, right? And so there's p- sections I can't see. Yeah, but all I can see. I'm running on some, I chose to run on some, some of the bigger roads near me that have the two lines right. going down, which, which you refer to in this song. Yeah. And so the only way I could see going down the road is to stay on those lines. Hmm. And I did. And when you're running for several hours, and I was thinking of the lyrics of this song, and, and, and I was thinking of, you know, trying not to focus on, I'm fatigued, my legs are tired, right. my breath, you know, I've got, I still got 10 more miles, whatever to go. And... Um, but I, I was choosing to say, hey, you know, I'm strong enough to do this. I'm healthy. My miles ahead may feel better. And I, I was projecting when I was finished. Mm. And I was remembering something that someone told me one time, kind of like your, your brown and green experiment, was that sort of self-talk. Mm. Is that if we tell ourselves, even if we're not feeling it in the moment, I feel good. Mm. I feel strong. Mm-hmm. I, I'm, 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 I'm killing this. I can do this. Yeah. It actually has a physiological effect on us. Right. And so I remembered that. I remembered this song. And, and that's why songwriting is so powerful to me, <clears throat> why songwriters um, have such value in the world. Mm. There's people like Michael Logan coming into our world and, and creating something that's beautiful, easy to listen to, that we want to absorb it. And then the bonus we get this message mm. that says, hey man, you've got a choice to be hopeful today or not. Mm. And there's a lot, there's a junk all around us coming at us, but what are you gonna do? You're gonna choose that or you're gonna choose the hopeful route. Right. And it changes 
Michael, it changes lives. Mm-hmm. It changes lives. It changed my life. Um, I know this song. People have heard it. Will change their lives. Um, thank you for writing it. Thank you for being our guest on a song can change your life. Your dear friend. Thank you for all you've done for Home by Dark and for us. And I love you. I appreciate you. And I hope very much that um, people will get this song. How is this on? This is on the the record you guys put out together. Yes, it's it's uh, it's the title of the EP as well. So it's just here's to hoping, and it's on all the the, the usual suspects. Yeah. So if you're listening to this. Go download it. Yep. If you don't like it, I'll give you money back. How about that? <laughs> that How about that? that? That's a guarantee. Um, awesome, man. Yeah. Thank you, Michael. Thank you, James, for having me. Uh, appreciate you, sure, man. Oh, here we go again Into the gray wide open Oh, here we go, my friend There's no way of knowing when Or how it's gonna to hope Thanks for listening to A Song Can Change Your Life recorded in a black box at the Alpharetta Art Center. Our special guest has been Michael Logan. To learn more about our show, visit asongcanchangeyourlife.com Our audio engineer is Jerry Knabel. Our production coordinator is Jacob Davis Martin. Our production assistants are Aiden Miller and Marcus Vesey. A Song Can Change Your Life is a Home by Dark production and brought to you by the City of Alpharetta, Georgia, Fulton County Arts and Culture, the Fulton County Board of Commissioners, and Arts Alpharetta. My name is James, and I hope you'll join us next time on A Song Can Change Your Life.